It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on a Monday, July 27th. Uh, let's see, our last podcast was a week ago whenever we got you ready for uh, games against uh, the Houston Dynamo and was able to sort of recap some LA- LAFC stuff. As it is now, the LA Galaxy, a 1-1 draw, knocked them out of the tournament. Um, took Houston with them, I guess, if that's any consolation. Uh, but the LA Galaxy did not make it to the group stage and were one of the teams that sent home. And I can tell you, everybody's already home. Uh, we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, including in, uh, you know some of the stuff uh, surrounding uh, Gamera Glodo and whether or not he's on the hot seat the start for the LA Galaxy. We'll talk a little bit about the Houston game, as well as we sort of prepare you for the, uh, I guess, the hibernation or the break of, uh, of Major League Soccer in terms of games that count for the uh, for the regular season as we look for uh, the resumption of the regular season, and we have some details on that as well. So a lot of stuff to get to uh, on this wonderful show. To help me do it, he's back on the West Coast, uh, no longer on the East Coast, no longer uh, Orlando adjacent. It's uh, Kevin uh, Panda Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Man, I'm so glad to be back. That was scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, let's see. I drove across. I had to drive to Colorado, so I drove across Nevada, Utah, and parts of Colorado. And it was interesting to see which who which state was sort of taking everything seriously. Uh, in California, there were a lot of masks wherever you went. Nevada, the places that I went to, um, mostly around the state line, Kevin, and, and taking that there, everybody was wearing masks. Um, if you drove down the strip, which I did on my return. Uh, leg back, uh, it, there were not as many masks as I would have expected um, on, in, in Las Vegas. It also wasn't as crowded as you'd expect in Las Vegas. Um, so so maybe there's that. Utah, you probably couldn't find a mask in most of the places we went to. Um, and then in Colorado, in Grand Junction, where I was so far western edge of, uh, of Colorado there, there were actually a bunch of masks and people were very casually wearing their masks everywhere that they went. So uh, just a really interesting sort of mix of, uh, of different things. I did uh, 23 hours of driving in 48 hours. That was my that was my road trip. So good times. Yeah, you know, the airplane ride on the way back, the, the airplane was sort of scary, but I was actually told by a doctor that the airport is really the danger zone. Um, the uh, fil- uh, the uh, filtration system for the air in a, uh, an airliner actually is supposed to be pretty good, and it goes... Yeah. I think it goes from the the bottom up, not from the top down. So it, it sort of it, it actually does the job of cleaning the viruses and stuff out. Um, and the plane was about half empty. I actually had a road to myself. There you go. Um, so that was good. And and everybody's wearing a mask. And they you know they repeatedly told you you had to keep the mask on. And the it's, the uh, flight attendants were checking everybody. And so actually the the, the trip wasn't too bad. It was. Uh, I just wasn't. I wasn't really sure everybody in Orlando or in Central Florida was was had gotten the memo about the virus, and so, you know, that was a little. It, and you, when you look at the numbers in Florida, you can see why the numbers are going up. When you see, uh, you know, again, not everybody uh, wearing the mask. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's again, it's a it's a mixed bag wherever you go. So uh, very interesting. Uh, the LA Galaxy though did make it through, and we should, by the way, point out um, MLS bubble held up held strong did sort of what it was supposed to do i know they're still playing out um you know the round of 16 and eventually on to the championship games as uh, as they go on forward um but for the most part everything worked 
technically the way it was. I think the only thing that was sort of messed up was uh, the original proposal had everybody uh, quarantining for 14 days, basically, whenever they arrived there, Kevin, or the full two weeks. Um, and I think that that may have gone a little bit of a ways to stopping the spread of uh, the coronavirus inside of the FC Dallas camp and possibly inside the Nashville camp. Um, but it, to MLS's credit, those spreads uh, in between the team and inside the bubble did not spread to other teams that were inside the bubble. So no, all, and, all the tests coming back still uh, still negative and a, a bunch of tests being done. So I actually thought that was miraculous. Once you had those players in the bubble, there were um, 23 players that wound up testing positive. Two teams, as you said, FC Dallas and Nashville, uh, withdrew from the tournament because of uh, excessive, uh, you know, positive tests. Remember that the, the second game on opening night was was canceled because one of the teams, Nashville, was kicked out. Um, but uh, July 10th was the last positive test. We haven't had a positive test in the bubble since then. Over 7,600 uh, individual tests taken by MLS. Not one positive since then. The tournament's going forward. It's uh, you know there was a time in that first week, the first couple of days, when there were four games either either canceled or postponed right. in those first four days, when it looked like the tournament would not finish. And in fact, Paul Kennedy, the Hall of Fame writer with Soccer America, had wrote a story talking about Don Garber's you know options for bowing out of the tournament, you know, with honor and saying, look, we gave it a shot, and and how he could actually save the day and be the the canary in the coal mine to tell the NBA and Major League Baseball not to go forward with their tournaments, um, that wasn't necessary. After after July 10th, no more positive tests. And the NWSL did even better. They had only eight teams, and they were in Utah, but they played their entire 29-game tournament. Not one player or coach tested positive. Now, we know Orlando didn't go to the tournament. Right. They had 10 people test positive uh, before they left for the NWSL tournament. But um, soccer really showing the way. When you look at how MLS got their stuff together and solve the problem uh how the nwsl had no positive tests and then you look the florida Mar miami marlins now had 11 players test positive today alone as we tape on monday yeah uh, so um and and by the way we're going to talk about the new uh mls schedule going forward it's going to look a lot like what mlb is trying to do right now where, where teams will travel from city to city and if you look at what baseball is going through it doesn't look like that's a very good plan well, we'll see. I mean, it's all it's all early days, and that's sort of you know where it comes to. I was of the impression that MLS was going to have a bit of a disaster on their hands once they had all the tests, but I understood sort of what the bubble was supposed to do and how they did it, and and it seems like they they executed it correctly. Uh, the NBA now, following basically what MLS has sort of done and the successes that MLS has done on the bubble, they haven't. Major League Baseball deciding not to go with the bubble, uh, and and by the way, it would have been difficult for them to do that playing in Arizona where it's you know a bazillion degrees driving across the desert my uh my thermometer hit uh, 108 um and i'm actually i i went to school in arizona as many people know um and i i have many days there where it was 118 and 120 and 122 and whenever i hit 122 they stopped airplanes from taking off because there's no takeoff data above 120 degrees for airplanes um so there was all sorts of interesting things that were that were happening it would be difficult to do that in arizona the other place they were looking at was florida where the other spring training site is and you know we know what's going on in florida as well but if you can create a bubble um which i think the nhl is trying to do a, a multi city bubble if I'm, I'm not 
not mistaken. Um, they have a chance at, at, I think, doing that successfully. I think that, uh, you know, Major League Baseball is going to have a much tougher time. And you look at what Major League Baseball is doing and then what the NFL is doing. And so, you know, again, MLS seems like it was out ahead of this and they got their bubble and they got their tournament. They are going to try to play a regular season. We'll see whether or not that's as successful as the bubble was. Um, but I think that it, it would be naive for anyone to think that, you know, you're not going to get any positive tests out of the players once they're at their homes, uh, once they're in, in more interaction with the general public, uh, and once they're traveling, even if it's on charters. Um, you know, all those things, I think you're going to get positive tests. You're going to get little clusters of things. It's just whether or not that's going to affect teams, affect uh, scheduling, and affect total number of games. Well, you know, you, you're well aware that I did a lot of COVID-19 reporting um, in Florida for the news uh, desk, not just for um, sports. And I learned a lot about the disease talking to doctors uh, and, and not only the disease, but how, how to protect yourself from it, how to protect against it, um, the people you love and people you work with. And a, a couple of things became apparent to me. One is the NHL model appears to be the best one. And the reason that is, is they said that the doctors I, I spoke to said the uh, MLS bubble was just simply too large, 1,300 people. It was just too big. It, you can't, you can't, you know, protect 1,300 people at one time. Now, MLS had some initial problems and seemed to have gotten that under control. But now remember, uh, we've already sent, uh, you know, six teams home, um, eight teams home. And, and now that they're in the knockout rounds, uh, by the weekend, you, it's going to be down to eight teams. So uh, there's m much fewer people in the bubble to worry about. NWSL was so successful because they only had about 250 people in their bubble. Much easier to take care of. That's why the doctors like the NHL model for two reasons. It's three bubbles, and each bubble is, is a relatively small bubble when you divide the teams up into three. Um, and if there, is a if there is a problem, say, in, in, in one of the bubbles, that is contained to that bubble. The other two can continue to play, and, and that's actually the best way to do it. And if MLS had it to do over again, they would have been smart to divide their league up into uh, individual bubbles and then have say the winner of each bubble then advance to the semifinals and have the tournament in that way that would have been a better way to do it so the smaller bubbles the compact bubbles separated from one another is actually the best way to go and then the other thing you talk about mlb you know a lot of players are going home at night or, or they're around their family or they're getting on charter flights and going from one city to another that's one thing the doctor said is not a very good idea that uh, with all of the problems of the quarantine bubble that we saw with MLS and that uh, we're seeing a little bit with, uh, with the NBA, you can protect the inside the bubble to a certain degree. When a player leaves that protect the bubble to go home, you lose, you, you know, you lose control of them. When we look at uh, Lou Williams of the Clippers, you know, he went allegedly went to us to a, a gentleman's club in Atlanta um, when he, for you know went outside the bubble to go to a funeral and so once those players leave the bubble you know you have to trust them and when they go home maybe their kid got infected maybe their wife got infected at the supermarket you don't know and then they bring that back to the stadium the next day so once you get out of that bubble as mls will do it at the end of next month you lose control over where the players go and what they do they're actually much safer inside the team facilities where all that stuff is monitored than when they go out and we've seen that with major league baseball yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Let's uh, reflect a little bit on the one-one draw for the LA Galaxy again. Uh, a one-one draw. The Galaxy headed into this game needed a three 
goal plus win. Uh, it could be you know four to one. It could have been five to two. It could have been three to nothing. However that happened, but they needed a three goal win. It was within their control to go out there and advance to the group stage. Uh, what ended up happening was a 17th minute uh, free kick goal from Houston that basically set everything up until the LA Galaxy earned a penalty kick of their own uh, in the first minute of stoppage time. I believe uh, they ended up tying the game, and then uh, and then all he double hockey sticks broke loose as both teams sprinted from from end to end trying to score a goal that would see them uh, either advance or win a game or get three points. Remember all regular season points that were on the line there. Um, and, the, you know, those last probably five minutes of, uh, of stoppage time there were some of the most exciting, frantic and horrible soccer that you could ever imagine. Uh, but it was at least entertaining. So uh, that's what you got from the L.A. Galaxy a penalty kick goal in their final game. The only goal that they got, although there were plenty, plenty of chances uh, and uh, and it saw them out of the tournament. I guess their only consolation, and I know some fans have been taking with it, is that they took Houston with them by drawing. Um, so Houston got knocked out, and then New York City, I believe, uh, stayed in. So uh, there was all sorts of chatter on Twitter going between the New York City fans and uh, LA Galaxy fans, which was uh, humorous at some times. Uh, but it was an interesting lineup put together by Guillermo Berish-Galoto, started Ethan Zubak up top. You had Sebastian Legette sort of playing underneath. Uh, more of the, the, the cam, the center attacking midfielder role. Uh, they had Pavone technically on the left-hand side, although he certainly uh, was out on the brakes many times, uh, did a whole bunch of running, again, back to his sort of normal position. Uh, Julian Araujo got moved forward again to the right midfield role, and you can tell the LA Galaxy have a hole they're trying to plug there, and I thought Araujo did fine. I don't think there's anything. Uh, Perry Kitchen, uh, Joe Corona in the center, and then it was Insua, and the probably the biggest move of anything in this tournament and the biggest move or statement by Guillermo Barrescoletto was putting in uh, Nick DePew in there uh, pairing up with Dan Steres uh, and Pipo Gonzalez. Uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez got sent to the bench in this particular game and I would say that of the three games the LA Galaxy played the defense was by far the best in the third game. Uh, I know, Kevin, you could probably make an argument that the game against Houston was their best game of the tournament. And maybe that's true up to a certain point as well. Uh, I think that uh, I think in the aftermath of everything, seeing Guillermo once again preach that the result wasn't fair, um, maybe he has a better argument this time. Uh, certainly with the LA Galaxy with 64% of the possession, uh, only lost three of the five-minute possession uh, intervals uh, that MLS sort of does them in five minutes intervals they only lost three of them the entire game uh but if you look at you know the chances uh if you looked at the corners if you looked at the shots if you looked at all of these uh different things that sort of stack up the la galaxy against the houston dynamo you could say by looking at the stats this game was a lot closer than probably it should have been galaxy outshoot uh you know houston 14 to 12 uh six to four on target uh again 60 almost 64 percent possession for the la galaxy they had an 83 percent passing uh, accuracy almost almost 500 passes to Houston's 285 passes. All these things would tell you normally that the LA Galaxy were, you know, the, by far the better team in this game. Having but, but let, Yeah, but, go ahead. But let me let me ask you a question. Those are stats are great, but how how in soccer do you determine the winner of the game? What's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always by the score. It doesn't matter what any of those go. stats See, are. See, yeah. the score, the score. Did they score? Yeah, one on a penalty kick in stoppage time. By the way, the Galaxy have Five goals this season, only two from the run of play. Pavone in the first game of the season in Houston, and then uh, Chicharito in uh, the first game in Orlando. Th their other three goals, two on a penalty kick and one on an own goal. This is a team with Christian Pavone, with Chicharito for at least three of the games, with Sebastian Legetta, national team player, with a lot of attacking talent. 
um, and they have two goals from the run of play in five games. You know, all that stuff about, um, you know, uh, all their chances and their the, the possession and their shots and all that kind of stuff, that's that's terrific. And I hear I heard Joe Corona after the game say they had the clear chances they should have won. I heard Guillermo, who uh, just ad nauseum always says, we should have won that game. I thought we were the better team. We should have won that game. You know what? The scoreboard said you didn't win the game, okay? They, they don't give the batting title to the guy who has the most at-bats. It's yeah. who does the most with their chances. You got to convert those chances. That's the difference between a winning team and a mediocre or a poor team. And until the Galaxy start converting their chances, I don't want to hear all this stuff about we should have won. Win the game, and then you can talk about you should have won. Until then, you're, you're, you're just wasting your opportunity. And it sounds like a bunch of whiners. Yeah, I, I would I would even add to that, which is that um, you know this Galaxy team certainly missing Jonathan Dos Santos. You can tell certainly missing Chicharito. You can tell. I don't want to discount those, um, but when you look at the teams, you know that were out on the field, the LA Galaxy had plenty of chances uh, to do something in this tournament, and they didn't. Uh, there's no style of play, as we've been saying, and you know you can't convince me otherwise. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a general urgency to fix anything. Uh, Guillermo even said, you know, sometimes it's time to go fast, basically meaning, you know, sometimes there's time to make a lot of decisions and make a lot of, th- do a lot of deals. And he goes, and sometimes it's time to be slow. And right now it's a time to be slow. Um, if that's their mindset, if the LA Galaxy are of the mindset that this season is a throwaway and that it doesn't matter, then they should probably come out and explain that to everybody. Because I know there's plenty of people who are frustrated from watching this team. Uh, they're frustrated by the general reaction. Um, and plenty of people are calling for Guillermo Barrescalota to be fired. Um, and they're going all the way up the chain with that as well, whether that's Dennis DeClosa or Chris Klein or Dan Beckerman. Um, you know, there's some real questions about what the LA Galaxy are doing uh, Alexi Lawless in this broadcast, and I know a lot of people don't love uh, uh, Alexi, and and he's one of my good friends. I, I consider him a good friend, and he speaks truth. If you want to listen in there, sometimes he's also an entertainment guy, so I understand why people can uh, can get sick of him. Uh, but Alexi says, you know, if if you're, it, would you be panicking if this wasn't the LA Galaxy? No, he goes, but it is the LA Galaxy. This is a super team, um, it, and what he calls the super team. Uh, this is the most you know storied franchise in Major League Soccer history history and playing the way that they did with the players they do and uh and all these things it, it, it should mean more to the la galaxy and it, they should be reacting to this for the la galaxy we already saw one coach got you know i'm not going to say fired because certainly there was a mutually depart you know agreed to part ways uh atlanta united and frank de uh are, are no longer um that's a separation there and atlanta united is a team that you know had zero points i think through the uh through the first uh through their group stage uh got bounced got eliminated and it is quite honestly a team that has aspirations of winning an mls cup every single year and with the talent they have on the t te- on the field they should compete for that um, so you can understand that, but w- that used to be the LA Galaxy as well, which is the talent that you have on the field um, and this need to be competitive, be a a team that competes for an MLS Cup, competes for a US Open Cup, that wants to be in the CONCACAF Champions League. All of these things are important, and I think that even in a pandemic, uh, you can't sit there and say that you know that you you can't not take this seriously. Well- Let's let's talk about pre-pandemic. They missed the playoffs two of the last three years. They had the worst season ever in in 2017. Um, this year they're off to the worst start ever. This is a an MLS um, uh, original MLS franchise. 25 years. This is the worst start they've ever been 
off to. Um, and again, they missed the playoffs two of the last three years. Uh, and now they're off to the worst start ever. It's not like uh, things are heading in the right direction. It's not like Atlanta United. We just right. pointed out that, you know, a couple of great seasons. They were, you know, uh, one of the best teams in the league. They got off to, a, uh, they had a bad tournament and they've immediately reacted. Uh, it just seems as if the Galaxy is sort of in this kind of slow motion um, uh, you know, crash, yeah. you know, you just sort of see it happening and no one's stepping in to slow it down. And, and uh, yes, I understand there's the pandemic. There's a lot of things going on. You didn't have Jonathan. You didn't have Chicharito. Good teams overcome those things, by the way, but maybe it's not fair to pull the trigger now, but uh, you know, again, Guillermo did win 16 games and get them to the playoffs last year, but you just see no creativity. You see no, uh, tactical acumen right now and changing things, you know, on the fly when teams are giving them a different look they didn't expect. The substitution uh, strategy in in Orlando was horrible. I, I will say, from my personal opinion, I think Guillermo probably took a big step toward perhaps saving his job or turning down the heat on the hot on the hot seat that he's on um, with this final game because I did think they played well and and the execute the finishing was horrible, but I did think they played well um, and so. You know, if you were on the bubble, I think you saw enough there to give Guillermo another chance. But if Guillermo is actually sort of soft pedaling this and saying this season doesn't count, you know what? Every time you step on the field, it counts. Every time you step on the field, it's an opportunity to do something special. And if you're giving those opportunities up because you're saying there's a pandemic and, uh, you know, this competition doesn't count, guess what? The other teams think it counts. That's why they're there and that's why they're, you know, winning. Yeah, it's uh, it's really. Uh, let me let me hit on your sub uh, sub uh, matter for your first. Uh, the hammer put together the sub list. Uh, basically, looked at the total number of subs for every team during the first three games of the group stage. Right, so all the teams and then in the heat and humidity. Remember, that's yeah, the big factor here. It actually the heat and humidity is a huge deal, but you're allowed five subs per game. Right, so five teams made five subs per game, all right? There was 15 total subs by five teams. Uh, five teams made 14 subs. Uh, six teams made uh, 13 subs. And this is uh, it, this is the three group games combined, right? Three teams had 12 subs. Two teams had 11 subs. Two teams had 10 subs. And one team, one team only, had nine subs. Which team were the LA Galaxy? I think they were the nine. That would be correct. So they were the one. They were so the is only it a team. Shallow ben- is it a shallow bench, in which case you need to fix the shallow bench? Or was it the, the manager not using his subs? And I think when we look at how Dunbar played in his in his uh, opportunity, when we look how Gordon Wilde played, Ephraim Alvarez you know, didn't get off the bench for more than a couple minutes of garbage time until the last game, and I thought he immediately brought some energy. So either you say, we have no bench, in which right. case – do something about that, or you say the manager's not using the talent he has. Well, do something about that. Yeah, I mean, and there. Listen, there's a talent gap. I mean, you know, we I talked about it in my recap, or, or and certainly, in, I think in our last Monday, there's a talent gap. You look at the LA Galaxy versus LAFC and the depth that LAFC has developed, uh, even the depth that Houston has developed. There's no depth on this team, and yes, that's some injuries. But here are the people who were on the bench for this last game. Um, and by the way, we should say that you know this is this is one of those games. I think Guillermo used four subs in this game um so you know actually more than he has in, in any other but you look at it question was on the bench triore was on the bench gonzalez was on the bench alvarez was on the bench Cuello was on the bench wild dunbar harvey when it comes to dunbar wild Cuello, right question and triore 
those are all people who have made an impact at one point or another for this LA Galaxy team. Um, and so, you know, sitting there saying, oh, well, we didn't have the finish. You know, maybe if uh, if Zubak isn't out there anymore, uh, maybe he's able to knock in that final one. You know, it, maybe if Dunbar's out there, you could play a lot of maybe games because you've seen some good performances. By the way, I thought Ethan Zubak did as good as you could probably expect him to do in this situation. Uh, his finishing wasn't there, and you knew that. Uh, I think that if Chicharito's in this game, and lots of people disagree, and quite honestly, most of those people hate Chicharito regardless of what he does, but I'm telling you right now, if Chicharito's in this game, the Galaxy probably get two or three more goals. Um, just because some of those chances that Zubak missed or some that Chicharito would would put in. Um, so, you know, you, you look at this and you say, there are options there. I'm not saying they're the best options, but whenever it's hot, Kevin, whenever it's, you know, humid, whenever you're tired, uh, sometimes just fresh legs is enough of improvement to a squad that can change things in your direction. And other managers, as is proven sort of by the chart, when you look at it, other managers have figured this out. Um, it just seems that the LA Galaxy were the only ones in this entire tournament that were like, you know, we're really not going to use that many subs. I mean, you can look at the people who used the, the other two teams who used 10 subs as sort of saying maybe they didn't do a great job. And I didn't have Eric break me down and tell me exactly which teams it was. So it'd be interesting to see if the other teams also got eliminated that used the least amount of subs. Um, but either way, you can either put this at the feet of Garibaldi Scalotto or you can put this at the feet of Dennis DeClosa. And I think those are the two that need to be giving people answers right now and for guillermo's part you're not getting any answers out of him uh well, it, yeah break that you can break that down a little bit further and in 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 analyzing uh you know guillermo i i again i've said this a number of times i just don't think he once the game starts really has a handle on how he's going to change tactics or change his squad you know through substitutions to change the direction of the game it seems to be he comes out of the locker room with a game plan and that's how they're going to play regardless of what happens in the game um but but there were a couple of things that were said after the game that um, made me wonder if there's a disconnect between the coaching staff and the and the locker room. At one part, uh, Guillermo said, "Look," there, and and they repeated the players and Guillermo repeated this in a later press conference a couple of days after the game. This was a, the LAFC game, uh, which was very hot, very humid, and and uh, you know the Galaxy gave up uh, four goals in the final thirty minutes or so of that game, and. Guillermo said, I didn't feel like I needed to sub. The players didn't look fatigued. They looked like they had their legs. It didn't look to be a problem. And all the players basically said, we were gassed. We were completely out of out of energy. We couldn't run anymore. We needed to be subbed off. Um, and so there seemed to be this disconnect. The players didn't seem to be able to get through to Guillermo, and Guillermo didn't read the body language correctly of the players. And then Guillermo also said, a couple of times he doubled down on this, he said, the players quit. Um, it, it wasn't that blatant um but it was very clear he said we have to find out a way to keep playing for 90 minutes you know we stopped after 70 minutes we didn't you know we didn't go through uh, other players in the league picked that up you heard some some chatter from players around the league in the bubble talking about i've never seen a galaxy team quit before and i think they were picking up on what guillermo was talking about so when you have the manager saying the players were not tired they were great everything was fine i didn't need to sub and the players are saying are you kidding we were you know we were gassed and then you have guillermo repeatedly you know uh, accusing his own team of quitting and other players picking up on that as well. You know, are the players not playing for the manager or the manager not, uh, are they not living up to the expectations that he has? Is he trying to motivate them by calling them out? That seems a bad way to do it in public. I think you take that kind of language behind closed doors. Um, it just, it doesn't seem like everybody's on the same page. It doesn't seem like everyone's pulling in the same direction. And that is no matter how well you're playing, 
that's a recipe for disaster. When you're playing poorly, it's even worse. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at the LA Galaxy and, and what they're going to be looking to do um, in a transfer window where I think they're going to be cautious, I don't think they're going to throw caution to the wind, um, is, you know, they're likely going to find a Katai replacement on that right side and sort of get a starting right winger. Um, and that could be, a, you know, a larger splash in the million, you know, to million and a half, or they could spread some of that money out. Uh, Alan Franco, apparently that deal's still on the table, so possibly bringing something in for the defense. Although, quite honestly, uh, I might save that money right now. And I know lots of people are like, you know, banging their head against the, the door. Um, but what we've seen from Nick DePew, what we've seen from Dan Steris, what we've seen from Insua. Insua looked a million dollars better whenever he was sitting next to Nick DePew than he did whenever he was sitting next to People Gonzalez. People Gonzalez has been horrendous since he came to the LA Galaxy. Nobody could have predicted that. It was a good signing. If you make that signing right now, you say, oh, well, hey, you know, this is a guy who is uh, who, who can play on the national team level. This is a guy who has shown what he can do in Major League Soccer. This is a, basically a known commodity. This is a hit. You can't miss on this guy. And what has happened so far is he's been a total and utter miss. Um, and I think you can say uh, say that for, for Gonzalez. And he has an effect on the entire defense. The defense is not about individuals. That's why offense is so much, in, is so much uh, easier to define in terms of successful players. Um, you know, defenders need to be part of a system. Offensive players sometimes need to be part of a system to be really successful. And those are sort of maybe not your takeover the game guys, right? But, you know, you look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Was he part of a system? No, he wasn't part of a system. That dude was his own system. And he just scores goals like crazy. Um, so that's that you're seeing that, you know, sort of uh, in this offense, which is that Chicharito needs to be part of a system in order to be successful. Well, and, you know, and, and don't forget on defense, we're going to get Acosta, you know, Daniello is going to be healthy. He's going to be able to play shortly. That's like adding another defender. Maybe, maybe not a top guy like uh, Alan Franco, but that's another defender. And then, you know, Araujo can also play in the back line. Araujo can definitely play on that, but he should get more minutes at right back. Uh, and I thought Felcher was fine in this Houston game. Again, the best defensive effort for the LA Galaxy in this group tournament. Now, we should point out, by the way, Kevin, that the guy who's on the hot seat probably more than anybody on this entire defense is probably David Bingham at this point because the one set-piece goal that was scored, and it was a foul by Perry Kitchen. So again, part of the defense, but not part of the back line. It was a poor foul by Perry Kitchen, and Perry Kitchen, I thought, was was more than atrocious in this game just in his terms of his slowness, his, his willingness to foul in dangerous situations uh, and gave Houston this set-piece opportunity and then David Bingham was leaning the wrong way and didn't move for a ball that was probably five feet to his left. Um, I think and I agree with you on Dupuy. I think he's been really good, and I think he makes Steris better. And I think Giancarlo, I mean, when you look at the way he played against LAFC, he got, I mean, that, that Bradley Wright Phillips goal, that was embarrassing. Um, I, the, the wisdom of Coach Ted Lasso, the former Tottenham coach that, yes. that we that we know and love, he has a new series coming out on Apple, and I was watching one of the uh, the, the uh, screening uh, episodes today, and he's talking to one of the best players on the team, uh, and the, and the guy is a, a tremendous player, but he's just he just he just wants to be the star, he wants to score every goal, and he doesn't want to play with the team, and Ted Lasso told him he goes, you know, you could you are one in a million, you are so good, you are a one in a million player. But when you're on the pitch, you're one out of 11, and you need to play with those other 10 guys. And when you're talking about the way some of these guys are freelancing, that, that just jumps into my mind. Yeah, you may be one in a million. You may be one of the, the, the greatest players of all time, but you're one of 11 on the field. And if you don't work with those other 10 guys, it's not going to work. Well, you know, you talked about missing the playoffs in two of the last three years, and realistically, the Elagowski took a step forward in that realm. 
last year by making the playoffs, winning their first playoff game. Um, and so you're seeing a step forward. But what you've seen since that with the departure of Zlatan, and certainly everybody realized how important Zlatan Ibrahimovic was. Uh, everybody knew that Chicharito would never replace Zlatan, but that a system in place could be more effective than even Zlatan. Um, and that was sort of the hope that you would be able to do this. Plus, I still say you gamble on on Zlatan for another year in Major League Soccer. Uh, granted, he has done just perfectly fine in Italy um, and seems to be surviving it pretty well. But, uh, you know, a guy his age, eventually that, that stops. And I don't think you want to be the team where it stops. Um, and so I, I understand why the LA Galaxy and Zlatan decided, listen, I don't think Zlatan was coming back. I don't think he wanted to come back. Um, and I don't think the LA Galaxy wanted of them back at the same time. So between those two things, I think they both decided that it was just time that things were were going to be separated and be done. But you go back and look at this team now, and you know basically in this particular lineup, Kevin, you replace Latan Ibrahimovic with Ethan Zubak. So no offense to Ethan, great guy. He seems to be doing a lot better. Um, again, I thought he had a pretty good night for him. Um, I don't know that I would expect much more, except he probably needs to bury one of the three or four good chances that he had. Um, certainly were, was something that would have made things better. But at the same time, you can't compare, and again, no offense, you can't compare Ethan Zubak to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, just like you can't compare Kevin Baxter to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. All right? Yeah, so, of course, Zlatan, he loses that one every time. Yeah, of course. He's not effortlessly but, but, humorous. That's the problem. But the trade-off, no, he is effortlessly humorous. <laughs> He's pretty funny. But the trade-off was, okay, we're losing one of the greatest players of his generation, but we're getting a team out of this. You know, the you know Sebastian Lejet and a lot of other guys talked about how it, there wasn't a, a camaraderie in the locker room when Zlatan was there. We were gonna we were gonna replace one guy with eleven. We were all gonna be on the same page. We were all gonna play together. We were all gonna play for the for the crest, and it was gonna be you know everyone's gonna you know join arms in the locker room and sing Kumbaya before every game. I, we I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that that team. Uh, you know, that team feel. I haven't seen guys putting it on the line for one another. It still looks like 11 guys playing their own game. And if they occasionally, uh, the passing in the Houston game was very was very good. But I, I just haven't seen that chemistry, that click, that everybody promised we were going to see with Zlatan leaving. The, the the passing in the Houston game was mostly horizontal. Um, that's why that's why the possession you know uh, stat lies. It's why the passing stat lies. It's why the accuracy stat probably lies as well. Is that there's nobody who can put it in a penetrating pass, and they're they're completely devoid of ideas whenever it comes to the box. It is LA Galaxy sort of dribble, 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 or out to the side and run through. And then once you get to the box, the only the only idea isn't to find a run in behind. It isn't to find any space within that box. It isn't to try to create. It is to bounce it outside and have a cross come in. And again, in some sometimes those crosses can be good if they're early, if they're on the ground, if they are you know pointed and targeted at a specific player. But I, I mean, you know, if you played a drinking game where every time Rolf Felcher ran down the side and put a cross into absolutely nobody, you'd be drunk in thirty minutes. You know, uh, they had ten corner kicks to one for Houston. Yes, That's a fantastic stat. It, it, it is it is again it is indicative of that the LA Galaxy were able to get down to Houston's side of the field and kept Houston there for a lot of times but just couldn't break down you know the if you look at the sort of the 433 formation that you had and you had Rodriguez and Vera and Garcia in the center um, the LA Galaxy couldn't match that despite the fact that realistically they had Araujo, kitchen Corona Pavone and Leggett all in that central midfield um, and couldn't find ways to sort of break through that Houston Dynamo backline and by the way didn't even try to break through the backline that's really 
the the problem and you have to sit there and say okay eventually if you keep you know running into a brick wall kevin you're going to figure out a way to go you know around the brick wall or over the brick wall or however you want to do that and for gamer bear Shkloto, it seems to be just keep doing the same thing over and over again you're just pounding your head against the wall over and over and over again um i think this was a criticism of him even whenever he was at boca but the the argument uh, you know, at least in his favor there that helped him out was that he had, you know, some world-class players that were able to play for Boca Juniors who understood how to play the game. He didn't have to teach them how to do this stuff. And I'm not saying LA Galaxy players are stupid. That's not what it is. But they clearly need some direction on how to create space, how to create chances, and how to unlock defenses. And right now, it's just, it's boilerplate. I mean, you probably see some of these things out there, you know, with your kids in the U12 game. Um, it's it's simplic it's simplistic uh, it's not effective um, and sometimes sim- simplicity can be you know easy you know if you're a counter-attacking team it's hey get the ball to Zlatan Ibrahimovic I mean you know simplicity in its finest it works the LA Galaxy at the playoffs um, this needs to be more there has to be more nobody can tell me what Guillermo Barros Galoto's style is uh, I don't know that they've necessarily recruited. I mean, I'll be honest. At this point, Kevin, I was more excited to watch LA Galaxy 2 play, uh, who, by the way, is on a two-game winning streak. If you want to have some good news from the LA Galaxy, just go watch LA Galaxy 2. But I would, I'm would, i much more interested in seeing LA Galaxy 2 play because they have ideas. Um, they have ideas of how they're playing and how to you know affect change on the field. And you're not seeing that from the LA Galaxy. Again, I'll go back to this. You need somebody needs to come out and sort of state their case. Because right now, the only thing you get from the LA Galaxy is sending out season ticket renewals. Uh, If there's ever been a, hey, guys, maybe you want to read the room moment, uh, sending out season ticket renewals during a tournament in which your team only, you know, put out a point probably isn't the best time to go ahead and do that. And and, 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 and during a global pandemic, too. Yeah, I mean, and and listen, you're going to put in season ticket renewals eventually, even though it's during a global pandemic, you have to do it. I'm not going to fault them for that. I will fault them for this is there used to be a time when fans would sit there, Kevin, and say, oh, the, oh my, see, when when are my season tickets coming up? Because I want to make sure I renew those. That, that used to be not too long ago for LA Galaxy fans. Now it's like, seriously, you want me to renew those tickets? Uh, fans aren't putting up with that. Well, and here's the thing: the, the Galaxy now they're saying we want to. This is a team that plays in a system. We don't have a lot of time. We're playing in a system. This is the how we're going to do things. Okay. Well, as you just said, what's your system? I mean, I know how Seattle and Brian Smiths are going to play. You say Seattle Sounders. I know what I'm going to what I'm going to get. You know how Peter Vermees is going to play. You know, you know, Sporting Kansas City. Peter Vermees. There, there's a style there. Um, you know with what you're going to get with Bob Bradley and LAFC. I mean, you can you you can no matter you know what the the score is, what's going on. You know how they're going to play and how they're going to attack you. Um, what what's Guillermo's style? What's the LA Galaxy style? What are they trying to accomplish? How are they going to uh, you know attack the game? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I can't describe how they play. It's worse than that in in a lot of ways because you you could say, oh well, you know Bob Bradley, how they're going to play, you know how Brian Schmetzer is going to play. It's it's I know how the LA Galaxy are going to play, and it's still not a style. It doesn't it doesn't define uh, describe that. it. Then I, yeah. I I don't I don't know what I mean. This last formation, I, I looked at, I thought maybe it was a four two three one. I I mean it wasn't drawn sure. up that way, but sure you I could mean, call is that, that. What it that. Sure. Why not? I mean, you could call it a four-five-one. You could call it a four-two-three-one. I think in some ways you could even call it a you know a four-four-one-one. Um, 
you know, I'll, I'll be honest, Bruce Arena, I, I hung around way too much with Bruce Arena because, you know, formations don't stay. And so trying to figure out what it is, but formations define roles. So, you know, technically, if this formation is sitting there, then Christian Pavone is a left winger. So you would expect him to get up and down the left hand side. Uh, you'd expect Sebastian Legette to sort of be that central attacking midfielder that's going to unlock defenses, that's going to find the final pass. And, you know, Ethan Zubak is going to be the one guy up top who's going to be able to hold up play. I'll, for his money, Ethan Zubak was a low-rent Zlatan Ibrahimovic and did an okay job in holding up play well, yeah. and distributing. But that doesn't mean I know anything about how this LA Galaxy team yeah. actually wants to try to play. Yeah, it's, I thought Sebastian was more of a withdrawn forward, you know, sort of the old Landon Donovan role, maybe. I didn't know what Araujo was. He wasn't. A, he didn't appear to be a, uh, a defender, even though he was listed as a defender. He didn't appear to be a winger. I, I don't know what... I guess he was more of a winger than anything yeah. else. I, I don't know what he was supposed to be. And the point is, they're not going to play this formation next time uh, because it was just too bizarre. I mean, especially with Chicharito and, and Jonah will be back for the next game, hopefully. Um, so they'll go to a completely different formation. And again, you know, the good teams seem... Yes, they adapt to their players. I understand that. But... Bob Bradley is going to play a 4-3-3 every time. Schmetz is going to play his formation every time. And, and you're right. The formation defines the roles. You know, we know what Jordan Morris is going to do. Um, we know what Mark Anthony Kay is, is what his role is going to be. Right. Um, if we're guessing, I'm guessing, well, uh, the players have uh, much more input than we do. But, um, it, you know, it's just like in baseball with a relief pitcher. You, you're the eighth inning guy. You're the seventh inning guy. And they prepare for that. If the roles are changing every week, oh, how can the players prepare for that and how can they practice for that? Yeah. And, and you know, the one consistency that you sort of see is, you know, a four man back line, but even with changes within that, I, you know, the, the consistency that's, that has been in starting lineups hasn't shown consistency on the field. Maybe that changes with the people uh, no longer there, but I can't, I, I would never guarantee anybody that people Gonzalez doesn't start at center back for the next game. And Nick Depew doesn't go to the bench for the next game. Um, that would seem, I, to me, in my mind, that's a ridiculous statement to try to hang anything on. Uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be whatever Guillermo feels is, is best for the team. And so far, that has been Pipo, um, you know, back there starting next to Steris, And it, it just hasn't turned out that way. So, um, you know, I, I think the big thing here is to find out uh, from Guillermo and from Dennis DeClose of what they're trying to do and what the goal is is trying to do what the goal of this of this year is uh what the goal for the la galaxy is and you know uh dennis has come on this program before so i think kevin we should try to get dennis or guillermo or chris klein or somebody on this program to explain things because i feel like if they are trying to tell us something that is being lost in translation because i can't tell you what they're trying to do with this season um and maybe that will clear things up for for different things but i mean somebody has to explain what's going on and you can certainly put a a I, I mean I agree with the fact if you're losing Jonathan Dos Santos if you're losing um, you know uh, Chicharito uh, for any amount of time if you're losing two of your three designated players that hurts and we've known that as we've looked at the LA Galaxy over the last couple of seasons Kevin we've seen that when designated players don't play that the LA Galaxy struggle the same was with Allison Drini with Giovanni Dos Santos um, so we know these things are are already true so there is some understanding there but again. Um, the talent on this team doesn't seem like it's there. The talent gap is certainly uh, missing. And, you know, where where are the LA Galaxy and how are they going to fix it? I think somebody needs to explain a roadmap and, and not just, oh, well, we have a roadmap. No, no. What What is the roadmap? What are you actually trying to do? Well, I think I've heard a lot of people. And I think Alexi might have been one of the people who talked about the Galaxy. Their MO always has been we're going to go out and get high profile stars. And they're very successful at doing that. And we can all name 
you know, players going all the way back to Jorge Campos at the Galaxy of Sign. The one thing they're not doing well, and this is where MLS has changed. MLS used to be a team with everybody had, you know, or the Galaxy had the best stars, but everybody had one guy, and maybe the team didn't quite fit with that one uh, player's personality. You think about Cuauhtémoc Blanco when he was in Chicago, and, you know, you can go through a number of, of, of different players. But MLS has changed, and now you look at, again, a Seattle team. Which they have some good players, uh, you know, Rui Diaz and people like that, and uh, Ladero, but they're more about a system and Atlanta was the same way. Yes. They, you know, um, Joseph Martinez turned out to be a great player uh, and they've had some terrific players there, but it was all about the, they didn't come as stars. They were not uh, a, um, a Steven Gerrard or a, a Zlatan Ibrahimovic or even a Chicharito who came as a known quantity. They came, they were good players. They fit into the system and the team was very successful. I think maybe the Galaxy have not made that transition. And I think that I, I blame the front office and ownership for that. I know that previous coaching staffs did not want Gerrard. They did not want uh, Gio uh, Dos Santos. Um, they didn't think those players fit into what they wanted to do. And so now you have Chicharito Zalatan before that. You, know, you can argue Zalatan was very successful. Maybe Chicharito, a guy that I've championed that I really like, maybe you know he doesn't quite fit into the system of what Guillermo wanted to do. I, I don't know that, but my point is – Teams throughout the league are building teams, and the Galaxy still sort of have this idea of we're going to have one big star, and we're going to figure it out and make it work. They're very interested in selling the shirts. They're very interested in getting the TV ratings. They're not so – it doesn't seem like they're so interested in building a team that can win from year to year. And the Galaxy have to be looked upon as the MLS version of – uh, you know they are the, the they are the big dogs in the MLS room. Um, they are the Barcelonas and and they they're the Man City. They're the Bayern Munich, the Juventus. The difference is when you look at Barcelona, they are going to play the same way every time. They have a club culture and they've had a million coaches go through that system and they always play the same way. Uh, Bayern Munich they change coaches twice a year now. The last three or four years they. Are, play the same style man city we know you know even before pep got there they kind of played this very similar style we know what these teams are going to do they have a culture they have an identity which is very important uh the galaxy do not have an identity right now and i think that's really hurting them and i don't think they've had an identity since bruce arena left we'll see that's and i'll, I'll push back a little bit on that because I, I i yes i agree with the fact that the la galaxy always go out and sign big names and they have for their long history during the Bruce Arena years, that also meant not just signing big names, but signing good players. I mean, look at guys like Juninho and Marcelo Sarvas, both now with the uh, LA Galaxy Academy as coaches. Look at those guys and tell me that the LA Galaxy didn't have a team on the field whenever that happens. I mean, even look at the back lines with Omar Gonzalez and AJ De La Garza and Todd Donovan and, and Sean Cole, Franklin. Yes. Ashley Cole was tremendous. But I mean, that's a big name. His role was. That's a big name. But at the same time, that guy was a depth player in terms of you know what he was actually getting paid uh, to play at the LA Galaxy. I mean, he was he was outstanding, and to be able to watch that, so you could see what Bruce was always trying to do. And they had deep teams. They had teams where you would look at the bench. I remember people saying this, where you say, you know, it's funny because the guys who are on the bench would be starters in other MLS teams. That's not the case right now. All right, the guys who are on the bench for the LA Galaxy might not even be bench players for any other MLS teams. Maybe that's harsh. Maybe it's not. Uh, but, you know, Bruce knew how to put together teams. And he came in, you know, whenever you talk about uh, Rude Hulett, and Rude was, was that, that you want to talk about all the mistakes the Galaxy made, which was, oh, well, we have a big name. And they didn't build the team around 
people around Landon Donovan, around David Beckham. And then whenever Bruce comes in, you get guy like Robbie Keane, who totally fits the system, who complimented it, who was the final missing piece, who gets that, you know, championship and supporter shield in 2011 and the MLS Cup in 2011, um, the MLS Cup in 2012, uh, you know, a look well, at... Tim, Tim- Tim Lewicki said when they signed David Beckham, if you remember, that was everyone said, oh, we got David Beckham, Landon Donovan. This is the greatest team that's ever come together, and they were terrible yes. in 2008. Um, Tim Lewicki said, we never thought David Beckham was the guy that was going to put us over the top. David Beckham was a piece, but Tim Lewicki said he was a big name, but he was a midfielder. Midfielder, he's not going to really change all that much. We needed a score. Yes, we had Landon Donovan, but Tim Lewicki said the guy that changed everything was Robbie Keane, and that speaks to exactly what you were saying, that they built a team. They didn't say, hey, we got David Beckham, we got Robbie Keane. These two pieces don't go together at all, but we can get them both and sell a lot of shirts. No, they said, Robbie is the guy that makes David go. Yeah. And and that's why they won – three MLS championships in four years. Yeah, and and, and it's it's simple. It, it, it is about being smart, though, and if you look at the way that some of these rosters have been, you know, extended by the LA Galaxy and, and contracts have been, I mean, you know, the, the money has not been spent part, smart, and the LA Galaxy used to get a discount on players, Kevin, and maybe that doesn't happen anymore. Maybe people aren't smart enough, but Bruce Arena got a discount on players all the time. Oh, you want to come to LA and play for the LA Galaxy? That's fine, but, you know, hey, we can only pay you this much. And then they would go ahead and do it. And then all of a sudden, Bruce leaves, and all of a sudden, the guy like Jorgen Shelvick gets, you know, $200,000 more than what everybody agreed to, right? I mean, this is this is the type of thing where the LA Galaxy have been, I think, wasting money um, on bad contracts. And you can certainly look at that. The LA Galaxy used to get discounts because they played in LA and because people wanted to be part of a winning team. Guess what? You're going to have to overpay here. Uh, for for players right now because I don't know anybody who wants to come to the LA Galaxy right now except that it's LA and except well, that it's the LA Galaxy. There's always going to be that draw, but there's there's a point to be made there. Bruce told me of, of the conversations he had with Nigel Young and Ashley Cole, and basically bo- both those guys were huge international stars that had been there and done that and bought the T-shirt and you know been in World Cups. And Ashley Cole was the most decorated left back in English football history, which is a really nice thing to put on your re- resume. And, um, and Bruce went to them and said, look, you guys are not playing in Italy. You're on big clubs. you got big salaries, and you're not playing. Is that how you want to end your career? No, it's not. You have too much pride. You've made your money. Come to L.A., win a championship. It's a beautiful place to live. Uh, you, you know, He sold basically sold the city of L.A. and sold the galaxy. Come here, end your career with a title. Go out on a high. Don't, you know, don't slink off into retirement playing, you know, uh, three games during a Serie A season. And it worked. And those guys came here and they loved it and they contributed. And, yes, they had contracts in the case of the young that the Galaxy didn't really offer. You know, he had a chance if he proved himself to become a DP. Um, yeah, Bruce had to offer some money, too. But the point is he was able to get the guys here by selling them on the league and on L.A. and the Galaxy and what they were trying to build here. David Beckham had always said that, they, that and remember, David Beckham played for some of the greatest managers in, in soccer history. He said that Bruce was the best man manager, one of the best man managers he ever played for. And that's, you know, proven in these conversations. He was able to get Ashley Cole and Nigel Young to come from Italy to L.A. basically on a song. Um, and now, as you said, we're getting guys like Jurgen Shelvick, who, um, after they agree to a deal, ask for another 200000 and get it. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. Jordan Shelvick made more in one year than Ashley Cole made in three years, uh, if you look at the salary uh, that he was promised. He made more than double what Nigel Young made 
was Jurgen Shelvick worth more than Nigel De Jong and 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 Ashley Cole? I don't think that he was. Well, always, always, no, of course not. And uh, and the always fun part about that is Jurgen Shelvick technically still an LA Galaxy player on loan uh, right now. So. Um, just it, it, it's frustrating. I think people owe some some explanations, and you know, on this on this particular show, we'll do our best to get some of those explanations. And listen, we we'll give people a fair chance to to come on here, but you have to answer tough questions sometimes. This is going to be a tough question, some tough questions to answer because the LA Galaxy. This isn't the LA Galaxy of Bruce Arena's years, uh, even the last years. This is this is something different, um, and it's not fully fleshed out yet. I don't know if Guillermo Barrascoloto is a long term solution. I don't know if guys who are currently out on the field are long-term solutions. Christian Pavone is apparently not a long-term solution for the LA Galaxy. So, you know, anything that you're doing this year, trying to focus around Christian Pavone, you might as well throw out the window because as of right now, um, Christian Pavone is gone in December uh, back to Boca Juniors, and that could all change if there's an agreement, but that's the plan right now is that Christian Pavone isn't here after December. So, that's that's something you have to worry about. But again, it's about making this team better. And you look at the players that were lost last year, um, you know, even the guys who weren't, you know, 100% wins in terms of uh, uh, getting things. But what has been, you know, look at Fabio Alvarez. What really has been replaced? Who has really replaced Fabio Alvarez? Um, you know, Cuello, uh, Legette. Uh, is who's replaced Roman Alessandrini? Yeah, no, a uh, Katai who's no, who's gone, and so they had don't have anybody replacing the, uh, that position right now, and so they have to go. I mean, I'm willing to give them a pass on that, which is you had to make that decision, and quite honestly, the transfer window probably wasn't a great idea before the tournament. So now fix it now, um, but fix it now in a smart way. And you know, Bruce was really good at getting long term solutions and getting them right. You can be in real trouble here, Kevin, if you get the wrong player. Uh, on the wrong solution, right? Like a Jorgen Shelvick, who apparently has like a, some four-year contract or some ridiculous amount. Um, it used to be always be, you know, one and two-year contracts. Bruce was really good at managing those one and two-year contracts. Um, you know, by the way, we should talk about, you know, our, our the coach here that we're talking, Bruce Arena, got a red card after his uh, his round of 16 game uh, as he was walking off the field. So, you know, that's the kind of guy that you deal with with Bruce. And it's not to say, oh, well, the LA Galaxy need to go back to Bruce. That's not the argument, although they certainly had, I think, a chance to do that and to decided to to shun that away um and so whenever you look at this it's it's how are they gonna how are they gonna match what is going on currently and it's about building teams something that bruce always did um so how did the yellow galaxy going go about building a team and they better find out what they're missing and what they need and find good you know, semi-long-term solutions. Dennis DeCloso has told you a bunch of times, Kevin, loans are great, but they're not permanent and they don't fix the club. They're they're sort of more of a stopgap measure. So you have to get them right. And if you get them right, then you're successful. Uh, if you get them wrong, then you have a Jorgen Shelvick, you know, problem. And the big deal with MLS clubs versus any other clubs, and especially expansion teams that come in or anything else, is not having bad contracts. If you have bad contracts, that can really weigh a cap-tied league um, you know, down. It can weigh your team down. You you have a you have a salary cap, and you're spending a whole bunch of money on a bad contract. You can't afford to do it. So somebody needs to come up with a good plan, uh, and it, it needs to be executed. You know, pretty quickly here because as I'm looking at the standings, Kevin, uh, in the Western Conference in the regular season, the LA Galaxy currently in 12th out of 12 teams. By the way, that's worse than FC Dallas, who didn't play. 
uh, in this tournament and hasn't played any of those games, uh, they have the they have let they have uh, less points than FC Dallas, who has played three less games. Um, the LA Galaxy, in terms of the supporters' shield, are only one spot from the very bottom. They're 24th out of 25 teams. The only team that's below them, Nashville SC, who didn't win one of their first two games and then didn't play in this tournament. So. The LA Galaxy, as they stand right now, are last in the Western Conference and second to last in the league, and they're behind two teams who didn't get to play in the group tournament, which means they're technically below a Nashville SC as well whenever you start to factor in some of those games played. Well, and let's say, where the Galaxy go from now? We know that they've come back from the tournament, uh, and uh, you know they're back in LA training now, but when the MLS is back tournament ends August 11th, this, according to the athletic, will have about a 10 day break, 11 day break. Then in late August, the season will resume. Teams will play 18 games at home. So the galaxy have played five of the 23 games they will have in this shortened regular season. So they've already played a good part of the season. Um, so when the teams get back after the tournament, they will play an 18-game regular season, nine at home, nine away. They'll start regionally. Teams will play teams that are close to them. The Canadian teams will stay in Canada and play each other. Then, uh, you know, there'll be some travel, just like Major League Baseball, if that's uh, allowed to happen. We know that MLS, a lot of the teams, there's three teams in California, has more coronavirus cases now than any state in the country. Uh, Florida's blowing up. There's two teams in Florida. Um, so there's going to be some problems, I think, with this, with the travel, with what MLS is trying to do. But that's the plan. 18 games once the season resumes. I think they're going to play it over 11 weeks. The playoffs will be in November. Nine teams from each conference. So nine of basically, I think, in the Western Conference, what, there's t- 12 teams now? Yeah. Um, so nine of 12 teams will make the playoffs in the Western Conference. It's, it's almost impossible to miss it, but right now the Galaxy would. Um, so that's what they're looking forward to. I think there's a there, this is a big wish list on, on MLS's part. Uh, baseball is not able to get this done now. Granted, as we've seen with this virus, things could be wildly different in a month. But that's what the Galaxy are looking forward to. Um, and if they've already written off the season, then they've got 18 games to play. And, man, it could get really ugly. Yeah, it, and it could. Uh, it's just... You know, all this stuff, uh, looking at what the LA Galaxy uh, can do and, you know, whether or not they want to take this season seriously. You know, we joked about this before. This is going to have an asterisk, uh, you know, next to it. Whoever wins this is going to have, you know, a little notch. They're also going to have a cup in their cabinet. Um, so, you know, whatever you look at those two different things, uh, you know, it's it's important to sort of look at that. And, and again, I think you're right, Kevin, hopeful wishing, um, you know, whenever you look at whether or not MLS can complete this tournament or complete this regular season, but that's what they're going to try to do. So the LA Galaxy will have those games upcoming and we'll see whether or not they can fix anything because... Right now, um, what you're seeing from the LA Galaxy is, I think, is is disheartening. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't like to use the the terms heart and fight because I think a lot of that comes with results. And you know, the LA Galaxy fought, I thought, pretty good against Houston. Uh, they were missing some talent. They were missing some finishing. They were missing some some ideas. Um, but I don't think that they lacked any particular effort to get it out there. Um, but there's going to be guys who have targets on their back right now. I mean, I think Guillermo Barrascoloto is on the hot seat. I don't care whether it's a p- pandemic or not. I think that, you know, David Bingham is playing for his job right now um, because, you know, his performances in the last in the first five games, just in, in my m- mind, haven't been good enough. I think that guys like people, Gonzalez, uh, guys like Sebastian Legette, if, if, you know, the fan favorite as he was at the start of this year, I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of people who 
uh, are not impressed with his play so far. Um, and he used to be able to probably sh- shrug off some of those comments and be okay with it, but there's pressure on him, and there should be. Uh, this is a guy who is expected to take for- steps forward every time, and uh, with some injuries certainly setting that back, this is the time now for him to shine, and he's being put in a position to shine, uh, and maybe a coach that's not exactly giving him the tools to shine, but at the same time, good players find a way to fight through that. Um, so there's lots of people out there. I mean, you, even Christian Pavone. Christian Pavone's going to play absolutely as hard as he can every single game. Um, and the reason for that is he wants a contract well beyond this, uh, well beyond you know this year and whether that's Europe or somewhere else. So uh, a lot of things are coming, a, a, a uh, regular season upcoming as well. So a, a lot of decisions sort of to be made here, well, Kevin. And Let me go back to the regular season thing a little bit. And, and again, this is all very tentative. It's from the athletic. The MLS has not commented on this yet. But uh, apparently some teams are going to try to play games with limited fans, uh, you know, limited attendance. Um, if local jurisdictions will allow them to do that. But I think the idea of keeping uh, the first few games, uh, I think it's going to be divided into phases, phase one and phase two. And in phase one, the idea is to keep teams as close to home as possible, whether that's so they don't have to stay in a hotel overnight. I'm not sure why that is, but I think you'll probably see New York play New Jersey a lot. DC will play those teams. Philadelphia will be involved in that. New England. Uh, What does that mean for the Galaxy? I I would think that if that holds true – the Galaxy would probably play LAFC at least once, maybe twice. They would play San Jose, which is playing really well right now. San Jose is a good team. Um, they would play Portland, probably Seattle, maybe Vancouver. Those would be the teams sort of in their pod, I'm guessing. I don't know that. But if that's how the schedule works out, man, that is a tough schedule. If they get LAFC once or twice, San Jose, Portland's played really well. They won the group uh, that the Galaxy was part of and LAFC was part of. Um, and then the defending league champion Sounders would, might be part of that group too. Um, I, you know, I don't see them playing, you know, Houston and Dallas, or maybe even Real Salt Lake and and uh, Kansas City. Certainly, is too far away. So the schedule is not going to. If if in fact that's the way MLS decides to do it, keeping the Galaxy close to home does not help them in any way. I no. mean, they've got a tough schedule. No, it's a it's a mountain to climb, and it's only getting uh, steeper as they continue to go. Uh, Sporting Kansas City currently first in the Western Conference, Minnesota second, Portland third, LAFC fourth, Seattle fifth, San Jose sixth. Colorado Rapids are seventh, Vancouver eighth, Real Salt Lake ninth, FC Dallas tenth, Houston Dynamo eleventh. All right, uh, I think that about does it for uh, this particular show. There, Kevin. I know there was a lot to somebody stuff has to babysit. I do have to babysit. Definitely, I have a. Uh, I have uh, obviously my my newborn who's almost eight months old, and then uh, I have my son who's uh, who's nine. So uh, he's here visiting as well. That's why I drove to Colorado and back, uh, which I'll be doing again in just about two weeks. So should be a should be another well, twenty three cool hours. That's cool. You got the whole family together. Yeah, it, pandemic. That's it, pretty cool. It is nice. So not too bad. So anyway, that's what we got. Um, there will be a, a live show on Thursday, at least planned right now. Uh, and I believe the hammer is back in for that. Again, I apologize for not having a live show after the game on Thursday night. Uh, but I wanted to eat cake, celebrate my birthday, and then get ready for my long drive. So I did all and that. And you were depressed. I, I, oh, you yeah. were also depressed. Of course, sir. That was that was it as well. Um, so anyway, so that's where we're at uh, right now with the LA Galaxy. We'll, of course, keep you updated on all this stuff. And uh, I'll make it my problem promise to, to see if we can get some answers for the questions that I know a lot of fans have and uh, see if we can get Dennis DeClosa or, or Chris Klein or uh, Guillermo Barrescoloto on the program. So we'll do all that as best we can. Uh, Kevin, anything else you want to talk about? Yes. Do you know what Wednesday would have been if there wasn't a pandemic? Do you know what would have happened in this town, in, in, in Los Angeles on Wednesday? What would have happened? MLS All-Star Game. Oh, it would have been the MLS All-Star Game. Yep, that's right. I would have... Uh, who, I would have... Who, who, 
Based on these five games, which Galaxy player would have represented the franchise at that game? Pavone. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, would, that would be. That was. Come on. That wasn't even hard. That would be fun. Maybe Chicharito right. gets voted in as a commissioner's exemption. You know, one of yeah, those. Yeah, because they're playing the Mexicans, uh, yeah. the Mexican team. Yeah. Yep. So it would have been. Uh, would have been fun. And Jonathan may have been an exemption for that as well. Uh, if you go that way. So anyway, uh, really interesting. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11, and please latimes.com. Uh, a lot of stories coming out of uh, Kevin's typewriter. They don't use typewriters. So that was silly. Um, <laughs> uh, coming out of Kevin's email. That's what it is. Out of Kevin's email lately. Uh, smoke cover- signals. Yeah, yeah. The smoke signals. However it works. Uh, you know, flags. Um, all those different things. But uh, please check it out, latimes.com. Of course, if you're looking for me uh, on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, quarterofthegalaxy.com, all of our podcasts, all of our written articles, all the stuff right there, a good grading the galaxy from uh, the hammer as well, so make sure you check that out. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.